0: This week's Devon the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we have Paul Parkin. All right, Parky, how's your week been so far?
1: Break from rugby this week as well, so you yeah, have a bit <laughs> of time to to try and get life back in order. But uh, how, how was your week? I believe been away and uh, had a bit of time off from from
0: doing your rugby duties. Yeah, been in a, a Skegness for a week with a, with a family. Uh, it was nice, to be fair. Lovely, lovely weather. Um, Internet signal wasn't the greatest in the caravan. Uh, managed to watch the match on my on my phone uh, in the middle of the car park. Signal wasn't the greatest, but um, obviously on Thursday Thursday night it wasn't. I I wasn't the, the person with the biggest problems by the by the sound of it, Parker. Uh, but we'll we'll go on to that in a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Uh. Internet signal might have been the best thing if it had gone. But anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk all about the uh, the defeat against Warrington, uh, and then we've got a big interview with um, Paul Trainer, which is, is a director of Salford's holding company, uh, and he talks about uh, what the club plans to do in the community with the the schools and the amateur clubs. It's a fantastic listen, uh, lots of interesting stuff going on there, and he's going to tell us all about all about that, Parker. It'll be uh, well worth listening to that
1: yeah absolutely like I said we've been looking forward to this for a few weeks since you first kind of mentioned that you wouldn't do it and then you know we've, we've always got it in the can uh, yeah it would be interesting to see what he says he, he's got you know one hell of a job on um, so yeah I'd like to see how he's going to go about it brilliant
0: yeah so what we'll do we'll start off uh, with the defeat against Warrington uh, last Thursday you're listening to Devil in the Detail and this is your
2: Big Match Review
0: So, so, Red Devils were defeated at home to Warrington Wolves. They lost sixty-two points to eighteen. Uh, Paul, big defeat at home. Um, not, not the, not the, the, the thing we really wanted after a great game against Wigan the week before.
1: No, it, it definitely dashed a few, uh, a few hopes and dreams. I thought we were ready to build on something from the week before, but. I mean, I'm glad I've had a week to sort of rest on it because if you'd have asked me a question like this, you know, or gone on about the game this time last week, I I, I don't think you'd been able to broadcast it, to be honest (laughs) with you. Um, It it, it was nothing short of a shambles, unfortunately. Um, We've we've all seen bad performances in the past and I know there was a number of reasons and there's players missing and so on, but it, it was quite frankly unacceptable. Um, Warrington are a, a great team, some fantastic players. You know, they they don't spend that kind of money uh, to 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 end up being near the bottom of the league, do they? Really. So, you know, contributing factors, but overall, very very disappointing. And uh, like you've just said, you know, the Wigan game the week before gave us so much optimism, and you know, we, we were looking forward to it, thinking we could we could turn these over, and then it, it came to match day, and I remember looking at the team lineup when it first came out, and I just thought. What, what's happened? Where's everybody gone? Um, and it did look like we are down to bare bones and I think after a short while into that game the confidence got a bit shot as well. So, pretty damaging damaging uh, result but uh, you know, like I say, I've had a week to think on it uh, and I'm trying to pick out positives as much as I can. Um, and hopefully this week now, uh, the lads are on a week off, we can get a couple of bodies back maybe for next week but uh, yeah, very, very poor performance
0: overall. Yeah, looking at, at the team on the night, uh, got Escalli at fullback, Ken Seo, Cal- Callum Watkins, Harvey Levette, Reese Williams, Chris Atkin at Tuilola here in the halves, uh, Jack Horman Elijah Taylor at hooker, Sebastian Ickett here for Ryan Lannan, Oliver Roberts, and Greg Burke at loose four on the bench, Das Luckick, Jack Wells, Sam Luckley, and Declan Patton. Um, Sam Luckley. Uh, made his uh, Super League debut, uh, and I thought, I thought what I saw, he was quite impressive. He was, you know, putting some uh, big hits in, uh, kind of tried to offload a bit. Um, but that's why that's a learning curve for me, Parky. I suppose in Super League, he, he's chasing his arm, he's, he's finding out what's going on. Uh, but he did Im- impress me. Yeah, I
1: watched it back, um, much to my own punishment, uh, that I realised what a good game he had and what an impact he made. He, he is, a, he is a big lad, and he put some shots. in. But well, you've just mentioned it there. He's got two or three men on him at any time. It looks like he's got his arms free. And they're big arms there. Um, he, he looks like he, he's certainly got something about him. And I think any errors or anything like that in his game can be ironed out with more game time. I mean, let's not forget the last time he played, he was playing for Swinton the other week. But before that, he was at Newcastle. You know, this is a huge step up to facing probably one of the the best two, three teams in in, in Super League, um, and he, he really stood out. He was one, he was one real, you know, one of the real shining lights of the day. Uh, there weren't there weren't many, but yeah, re- really impressive. Um, and he, he didn't seem to be what you would say a respect, you know, a respect of reputation. He, he didn't seem to, he wasn't overhauled in the in the game or anything like that. When he came on, he did. He made a big impact, and uh, you know, another twelve of them, we, we might have stood a chance,
0: but uh, yeah, he was really good. Really good. Full credit to the lad. Yeah, obviously, we, we're having a few issues in the, the hooking role. Um, Richard Marshall went with Declan Patton on the bench and... Chris Hacking at, at, at sort of half back with Elijah Taylor filling in at hooker because of obviously the injuries. Uh, do you think he, he kinda of made the right decision there? Obviously we were talking about, you know, our our spine and, and trying to keep it as, as near as possible. It does seem to, to wanna to change that a little bit, whether that's with injuries or whether that he just thinks players in form play in better positions.
1: Yeah, I mean we we mentioned the week before didn't we brown was going to be out, Patton needs to in the team. If he's gonna be a scrum half to you know, you're not going to make an impact in one game there and then be pulled back out of it. Um, I initially thought, no, I thought it was a, a, a shocking decision. I think Chris Atkin as well has been making a little bit of a name for himself, coming on as that backup hooker. I think mm-hmm. it's a, a role that suits him because he's got all the skills of halfback, but he's also got a little bit about him to play that role. Uh, and when I saw it on the team sheet, people have mentioned on, on Twitter and various other things that, uh, maybe Patton was uh, injured and wasn't or wasn't fully fit and isn't going to make 80 minutes and that disappoints me in many ways. The player himself has a if it is just match fitness, he has a, um, a you know a right to, to get himself fit. That's what he's paid to do. He can't be partly fit for it for the season. Um, I'm not having to go at him. I think I think he's a good kid with a lot of talent uh, and I, I wanted him to play at scrum half. If the case was he wasn't going to play the 8 then maybe spelling him in some way was going to work. And was that the right decision? Rich, Richie Marshall knows what state he was in before the game. We we don't know that. Um, so I am disappointed. In, and that's something we'll probably go on to a little bit more in a bit, the, the fitness. But um, no, I would have liked to have seen him get another run at, at Scrum Half, even if it had been, you know, for, for half an hour and maybe change things about a little bit. I think the other side of that is it was it was damaging on Elijah Taylor's game. He's not a hooker. I know he's played there. He's played there in the NRL. He's, he's a super talented player, but that's not his role now. That's not where he should be. He didn't look comfortable there. I think we took him out of positions where we need him. Certainly when he's defending, he does a lot of defending out wide. Someone's going to always be running at you, or you're always at the acting half and you don't know, have to play the ball. Um, so I think overall he, the move didn't work. Either way, whether you you know the players were fit or not, it just didn't work. And uh, I I'd like to see uh, acting back uh, back up role as hooker and and deck Patton getting a run at scrum half, a real run, um, and let him see if he can just come up with some partnership with with Tua until until Brown is back fit and well.
0: Yeah, Uh, so as he started badly, uh, three tries in 10 minutes for Warrington. uh, Ratchford, Walker and King uh, going over to make it 18-0 after 10 minutes, Parker. Um, For me, I I thought Warrington were white hot. Our injury situation didn't help help the cause. We did kind of fight back, though, briefly. Uh, We tried from Co on the vet. I think it was 2012, kind of, at one point. And, you know, when, when you think of sort of how games turn, that Try just that, just before our time from, from Mamo, and the one just after our time from, from Widdup kind of really not the stuffing out of us. And even with injuries, without injuries, it's going to do that to any team. I can understand sort of Richard Marshall's frustration, it's not the first time uh, that it's happened, but with the bodies he's got available, I suppose he, he's a bit disappointed in what he's seen.
1: Yeah, but this seems to happen every week, doesn't it? We seem to concede just before half time and just after. Um, well that. Like you say, they got to a great start. They were fantastic. But the only thing that, that sort of upset me a bit, and it happened through the game, was how easily they seemed to break our line. Mm. You know, it just one-on-one tackles that weren't being made. Uh, Gareth Whitton was having a field day. Uh, I think Paul Whiteside uh, hopefully will join us in a bit. But Paul said in his report that he, no one could get near him. You know, he, he, I don't even think he worked up a proper sweat. He was that, he was just magic all game. And, the amount of times he ran through us, and he wasn't the only one, uh, and that, that was disappointing, but when we got ourselves back in the game, I thought, if we'd have scored next, it was definitely game on, we looked yeah. like we were growing in a bit of confidence, we started to move the ball a little bit, and then it's just, that, like you said, trying to put our time not the stuff him right out of us, and then at the start of the second, uh, Dars Lussic drops the ball cold, uh, there, there was no excuse for that, that's just not concentrating, and as a an experienced pro as he is. I mean, he's played at the top level in the NRL. He knows the game. He'll be disappointed in that. Um, but it's mistakes like that. that just, you know, that, that gave Warrington that lead again. That, and I think that broke us straight away. I think we just, as a team, probably thought this is too much. The gap's, you know, gone too wide again. How do we get back in this? And that, once you've Warrington roll, and it's the same in any game now, especially in, in Super League, when a team gets on top, you might not see the ball. It's that it is that difficult. You've got to make the most of it when you do. And dropping it on the first tackle twenty metres from your own line or wherever, is not
2: going to help.
0: No, you're right. You're right there, Parky. It builds pressure on your defence and what and Warrington they, they they can have that ability just to sort of turn it on and, and they, I suppose they did in that second half. The the two sin binnings didn't didn't help either, with Escali and, and uh going in the bin. For me, I think they were both the correct decision. I thought you can argue with either decision there, Parker.
1: No, the SQA1, I, uh, I, when I first saw it, I was actually behind it in the, in the West End towards the Warrington end. And um, I thought I thought straight away he's getting a red. I thought from that that instant live, at that very moment, I thought he's gone. He, you know, you can't do that. When you watch on the replays, the guy stepped him, he's got it wrong, you know, he has hit him, is definitely a yellow card at least, um, but you can kind of, I mean, stopped to try as well, which is a benefit, final score, it didn't make a difference, but at that time, it could have done, and you can kind of let players off with, with little things like that, the Lossip one, well, again, you know, like I could say, as, a, as an experienced professional, he got frustrated, he thought he'd, you know, take it out on someone, do that tough man role, if you like, and, I mean, was it a winger? I think it was, wasn't it, Charlie? uh, You're not proving it. You're not winning any points for that. And I think it's stupid because we were already down by a man. And then you get another man sent off. It's discipline. It's it's stupid. I don't know what it is with us this year, with our discipline. I don't know why we we give away so many penalties. And, you know, uh, as an experienced player as well, you know, he should be the one going around telling other players, the younger ones maybe, or the less experienced players, just just stay calm. It's not a good situation we're in. But, you know, we've just got to keep our keep our discipline, Keep going at the processes we've worked on during the week and let's see if we can get anything out of this. To go flying in like he did, um it, it, it's just silly and it? it left us in a completely impossible position. And uh, you know, when you when you've got no players to pick from anyway, you you don't want your senior pros going around doing that.
0: Well, I think, like you say, you're running out of bodies. The the Escali one, yeah, he, he went high, and and it was, mm. a, you know, I think it was sort of more, more of a red than a than a yellow. But mm. the, the Lussick one, I can see what he was trying to do. I think he was just trying to kind of force an error, trying to impose himself on 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 the on the tackle. Um, but he was he was high, and and he did kind of target the head, so he had to he had to go as well. And which which kind of sort of. We lost momentum at that point. We lost kind of like confidence a bit, um, and yeah, Warrington knew that, and they went through the gears and, and put us through the ringer. We, we've we've had worse own performances, uh, I'd, I'd probably say, Parky. I don't think it's uh, you know as bad um, as, as sort of Castleford maybe sort of 10 years ago when they, when they beat us was it 70-12 at home um, I don't think they were, were as bad as that um, but like you say injuries and, and, and fitness is, is a bit of an issue at the moment Yeah it was
1: as bad as a defeat as I've seen quite I'll say that I thought I thought them days were kind of behind us a little. Yeah, there was a few obviously back at the willows when we 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 took thumpings and things like that. But in, in recent times, it seems to have calmed down. A little. Mm. Certainly at home, we had you know over the last few years we've had decent records, especially against Warrington We we seem to do well. Um, but it seemed to me a lot of players gave up heads dropped and they were they, they were scoring simple tries diving over you know two yards out and things like that. they, they that's just simple. Just concentrate on that tackle. That's you know you got that one tackle to make. There was there was just too much of that. The discipline. We look fatigued. We look absolutely shattered. And I don't know why we're so tired. I, I don't. We play as much as everybody else, but we just don't look fit enough. And that you know that's not going to help. The injuries. I said it. I said it on on uh, probably on Twitter. I might say it on Facebook I'm not sure. But for me, it, I, I don't think it helps when your coach comes out before the game. And, and lays down that he's got so many players missing. I don't think he does anything for the team morale or confidence. I know he's making a point, but I, I, I think he gets he can get into players' heads a little bit. The ones that are playing, you know, am I being sent out here because there's nobody else? Am I just for the last resort? You know, like I don't know. I, I just found it. He could do with just saying, yeah, we're you know we're up against it, but. I've got 17 lads here who will give me everything. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll show Warrington, you know, what we're made of. And we'll, you know, they, well, I haven't just got, uh, you know, a squad of 17. I've got 30 lads here or whatever that, that can all do a job when they're asked. Um, so I think that was a bit of a negative. But, um, uh, you know, and then we picked up injuries, as, you know, as the game went on. Harvey Liver, I mean, another magnificent performance from the lad against his former team. His goal kicking from all over, tries. And then we lost him and that was a bit of a killer for us because he's been, he's probably been our best player all year so far. Um, So that was another blow. And then at the end, I noticed, you know, Ken Seo was limping. um, And as we'll discuss shortly, I think, you know, Callum Watkins as well. Um, Overall, just an absolute disaster of a night and and one we could have just, you know, we're just trying to scratch from memory, I think.
0: Yeah, I spoke to to Richard Marshall uh, after the game and this is what we had to say.
2: Coach's corner. Hi Rob, all right, can't see you. Don't know where you are, but I can hear you.
0: If you think against to Warranted tonight, talk us through it.
2: I'd rather not. Um
0: Is it oh, obviously you being a sort of a head coach, it must be a difficult position to be in sort of right now in that changing room.
2: Yeah, of course it is. Uh, you know, it's not an easy place. It's it's easy when you're winning and and, and winning well. Uh, we didn't compete. We got in the fight. We got in the fight in the first half, and we, and we got it back to 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 where we had some momentum. And then and then we conceded that try. I think Jake Mamo just 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 um, scored before half-time and that again. There's some there's some performances and that we've had previously that have probably come back to to bite us there. Uh, some of our experiences and. We've got to be stronger as a team, mentally. Um, physically, we are busted. Um, I, I, and I don't doubt the effort and, and, and the attitude of our players. Um, but at the same time, it's, yeah, we, we, we were way off. There was a big margin between those two teams.
0: Yeah, the first 15 minutes, Warren scored three tries. Uh, was that down to the sort of us feeling the effects of sort of the tough games and injuries, or were just, they just white-hot
2: Yes, they were good, um, but I thought we made them look good. They got us down the short side a couple of times. I thought we could have defended a lot better there down the short side. Um, yes, th- there was a bit of a hangover from from the Wigan game. You know, the short turnaround, the three games in 11 days has, has really caught up on our small squad. But listen, there's no excuses. We, w- you know, we, we can't be losing by 60 odd points at home. That's, you know, we are better uh, we're a better team than, than that sort of scoreline suggests. Um, but Warrington were good value for their for their, how clinical they were in attack. We probably need to take some lessons from them as well.
0: Yeah, uh, two obviously, two good tries goals, and then conceding one just before and just after half time again. Must, must be a sort of frustration that because obviously you say you're working on it, but you don't seem to be able to, to get the right sort of answer
2: at the moment. No, that's a frustrating uh, element because we, we are, you know. The players are, are, are good. We've, we've been in and around wins and, and we know what he's like. Uh, we know what he has to do to, to, to complete and compete in games. Um, but it's it's just the workload we're having to do. And that obviously, you know, we had two players off the field. I think we were down to 11 men at one point and it, it, it's just too big of an ask, and especially against Warrington.
0: Yeah, Arizona and Simbins. And Obviously, warrington intensity in that second half. Uh, what, what did you sort of learn from your team in that second half? Obviously, under the, under the pump a lot.
2: I didn't learn a great deal, uh, if we're being honest. I did, I, I did against Wigan, I thought uh, we learned quite a lot there about the group. And, um, there's some reasons today to, to suggest it would have been difficult for us to, to go out and win that game, but, um, we, we, we needed to start the game a lot better and, and, and the half, of uh, the second, sorry, the start of the second half, um, yeah, we, we were way off. Um, there's some lessons to be learned out of that performance as well uh, and that's what we'll be doing. We'll still be looking at that. We won't change anything. We'll be reviewing uh, and we'll have an honest appraisal about our, our efforts.
0: Obviously, with all the injuries has uh, this week off sort of come out at the right time for you,
2: yeah, as yeah, I think I think so. Like, I, I don't think we'd have been able to put a team out next week, uh, just with the amount of injuries we've got. Um, just hope that Callum and uh, Morgan and Tui and, and Harvey are okay off the back of that, because you know we, we need we need them players.
0: Cheers, Ray. Good luck.
2: Thank you.
0: So that was Richard Marshall talking to himself after the game uh Parker um he talks about how the, the team's physically busted up after the three the three games and the injuries and 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 how he's he's kind of sort of disappointed that that's all we 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 could show. Uh, mm-hmm. We we talked about, you know, what he'd learned sort of this week compared to the Wigan game and, and he said he hadn't learned anything from from this week and he was sort of disappointed by that. Um and I, and I kind of have to kind of agree with him, really, because obviously the Wigan game, you, you, you learn the team's got character um, and then this week it, it it doesn't seem to show. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't
1: know where it, where it all comes from. The, the, the problem is these injuries, injuries happen in sport all the time, you know, and and, and in a sport like rugby league more so than most. But I, I said it earlier on, I, I don't think we're fit. I don't think we look fit. I don't think we... I think a lot of these injuries are coming through players not being fully fit.
3: Mm. Uh,
1: why I don't know. Um, you know, we, we, I know we lost a, a great uh, fitness conditioner last year when he moved. with Watson over to to, to Huddersfield. Has that had an effect? You know, uh, the new the the new way of training. I don't know. Is it, is there something in that? That that's not going to help things. And you saw sort the of change in the team lineup from the Wigan game to to five six days later when you're playing Warrington. It looked like a completely different team. It felt like a different team, mm. um, and that when you are swapping and changing the team, then this time obviously because of these injuries, um, it, you're not you're not going to achieve anything, and you're not going to learn anything about your players. In sometimes you can from defeat, you know, like you say the, the Wigan game. Kate said, "Well, we've shown a lot of character, and we, you know, we we hurt Wigan quite a lot. You know, I we look looking to get with, with with quality players against lesser teams. We win that game." That's that's as simple as that. Against Warrington the other night, I, I think we could have played a championship team and got beat. We were that bad. Um, certainly at the top end of that championship, you know, perhaps a, a Featherstone, to, run, uh, to lose or, or a Bradford. Um, I think they might have, you know, certainly give us a game. We were just so way off, so so poor. Um, so yeah, I mean, what is he going to learn from that? As he learned that certain players haven't got the, you know, perhaps the the, the minerals to stand up when they're asked. I don't know. Has he learned that certain players that he he obviously clearly didn't sign anyway? He, he won't want for next year. Should things happen, you know? Well, maybe that's all he's learned from that game. But mm. there's absolutely no positives from it.
0: No. Well, for, for me, he's had a we've had a bit of a run of games, haven't we? have played sort of was it three of the top sort of was it four of the top five last year. Cast twice. Mm. Wigan, Warrington, Saints. We've had a bit of a run, and it might be fatigue. It might be sort of mental fatigue, having to sort of play at that level, that high level week and week in week out. Obviously, we want them to play at the very top level, and the players want to be the best they can be. I think maybe this week has come at the right time. It gives everyone chance to sort of deflate and 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 prepare for the, sort of the next game against OKR, because that's that's the important game. If if we can go OKR and get a result, then that that's kind of a good sign for me. But it is it is. A bit of a worry, obviously these injuries are coming in. Richard Marsh only has sort of a certain sort of pool of players to pick from Parkey. And he he knows, you know, what what he expects from his players and his players need to know you know what to expect from themselves.
3: Yeah, I think
1: I mean before the season started, we were reviewing things, and we we're all very optimistic about it. And I looked at that squad and thought we had basically 30 players in the squad, which we've not had for years. Mm. You know that sort of depth, and and I, I was fairly confident that the players. You know, when you started going down the, the list, that it wouldn't matter if you lost a couple, we could replace them. And yes, we have had to make wholesale changes. We've lost, uh, uh, obviously, Elliot Kay has now moved on to his, you know, his new life, and we don't well, know what's happening as far as Christian Inu is, is concerned. So there's another man out of the squad. Then you've got these injuries. Yeah, it, it is tough. But I don't, I don't buy the excuse that we played Saints, Wigan and Warrington in three weeks. This is Super League. These are the top teams in this country. It, does, it shouldn't make a difference. If we want a competition as good as what they have in the NRL, you, you should be at that level every week anyway. You should be making yourself up to them levels. And When we play... Wakefield or league does that mean we have to drop to their level? I don't, you know, we we should be just playing at a, a top level constantly or as good as you can. These are still, those lads that went out on Thursday night are still 17 full-time paid professional rugby league players, you know, so they're, and they're in the Super League, so they must be 17 of the best players this country has got at the moment, and it didn't look that way. Um, we do need bodies back. We, we need we need to skip our back. We need Moose. Without a doubt, I think he gives gives us so much in terms of not just his goal forward and his, his general rugby play, but his his leadership. We're missing that. We're missing someone to go around and start either banging heads together or or patting people on the back. That's that's a big one. Brown again, experience that 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 is missing. You're right, Dan Sarginson, a, a real key player in our squad. Um, out. you know there, there are little bits, but most of them players have played at the top level for. For a while now, and, and should have been better than they were. Um, so yeah, but you're right. This week now, well, it's basically the best part of the you know fortnight that they're going to have, just to to be able to rest, get some you know injuries, try and forget that game, to put put that behind them now, and let's look forward and say right, season starts at, at New Craven Park uh, next week, because that's that's the only thing we can do. Because uh, if they, if you sit back and reflect on that too much. I don't even think it's even a point doing a video session with it. Um, it'll only damage us going further. Um, but the the other thing is that I think four of our next five games are all away.
2: Hmm.
1: Now that's a killer. You've got to win your own games if you're gonna if you're gonna do anything. Your away games are generally a bonus. Our, our record in my lifetime away from home isn't brilliant, um, so it's going to be tough for us. We're going to have to do it tough, but we will need players back. Or if they are given a shirt, these players have really got to stand up now and, and, and be counted.
0: Yeah, let's a uh, quick look at the stats, uh, Parker Top tacklers, uh, Taylor with 29, uh, luckily with 26. Uh, Sebastian here for 27. Uh, Greg Burke with 26. Armand Royd with 29. Um, Yeah, for, forwards sort of grafting there. Late, high 20s kind of shows they were doing a lot of tackling. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've got the missed
1: tackle count, have you? I don't know if you've got uh, that one. That, that might be That Might be. higher. Might um, be. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Elijah Taylor, you know what you're getting off him. He's going to work his socks off constantly. Um, his defence is, you know, he's incredible at times. He, he, he goes from one tackle to the next to the next. Um, but it's odd, that, because in the last few weeks, even against Wigan, when we played all right, some of our players were in the 30s in tackles. Mm. And yet, this time we had all the defence to do and seemed to have done less. So, but, yeah, it was definitely, you know, the forwards did have a a hell of a lot of work to do. Um, And when you go down to 11 men, you've got a lot more to do. So, you know, we've got to to look at each other and, you know, say thanks for that because I really needed that. But, um, yeah, it it is what it is. It'd be interesting to see how many metres we made.
0: Mm, I'll talk metres now, Parker. Um, Escala 90 meters. Kensey 180 meters, but I suppose he went 100 in one in one go. Wells with 112. Uh, Lusick with 70 and Livett with 70. Wells with 112. Mm. That's, a, that's a good solid performance there.
1: That is impressive. Uh, I thought over the last couple of weeks that he's been he's been getting better. Yeah. Um, and again, probably more gain time for him. That, that's now good meters for a forward. Really good meters. You know, because again, he's a bigish lad, but He's not he's not the biggest. You know, so he's not really—he's that bit after tackles where well. you get them extra, them extra meters. The bigger lads generally do, big seven people like that. But it just shows that he must have been—you know—just putting his hand up and, and taking the ball in. You know, it looks, seems like twice a set at least for doing them meters. That's 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 quite incredible considering how little ball we actually had. That's that's quite impressive.
0: Yeah. Uh, so. Quick look at you, the three-word match reports and, and man of the matches, uh, Parker, uh, Ricky P uh, with his dogs in sale, defeat defected, de- sorry defeat dejected downhearted man of the match with the fans were sitting through it. And Stuart Smart never turned up. Wells, Colin Wilson, Jacqueline Hyde. Luckily, I suppose that's that's where I suppose that's where we are, aren't we? Jacqueline Hyde, Wigan, great performance. Uh, what it not so great?
1: yeah, and uh, in in other games, we've shown a little bit, you know, we've played saints and we've looked okay in spells and it it was just one of those one of those nights where everything went wrong from from start to finish. and um there's nowhere for any of them players to hide from that and to, to find them out of the match. I think like you know someone just said there, Sam Luckley's probably probably the standout man, but I think was it Ricky? Who said that the fans were sitting through it? Because yeah. I I saw a few of them drifting off. I don't mean walking off; I mean falling asleep. Um, <laughs> it was it. It got that. Uh, got got that bad. I've got. I've just got to say, by the way, I sat with my brother through the game, and uh, he said, with probably twenty-five minutes to go, maybe even more, this will be sixty. And I, I looked and I said, no, they're not. They're not going to make that far. They're not. They're not that much better. We'll we'll be okay. And by the end of the game, he just put his hand on and said, what did I say?
0: And he, mm. So he did. I don't know how he managed that. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to try and get some tips off him for next week. Lotto numbers. Two words. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mark, very, very flat wells. Mike Whitby, weak performance. Um, nobody was his man of the match. Richard Martin, two steps back. Uh, my Paul Whitesides, Roy Ollaby, after the, the Lord's Mayor show, Harvey Levet. All very, like you say, deflated. I suppose after after that uh, performance against Wigan, but it isn't the end of the world. They've had a week off now to hopefully get out of the system and they'll be ready for OKR next week. Yeah, I'm
1: sure. It, that that like I like say. I don't want to, you know, I don't want them to look back on that game. But I think they probably look themselves in the mirror and say, "I can do better than that," mm. and I'll show next time I get a shirt that you know this is what it means. I for me, and a lot of people won't agree, but I, I think they always will. I really do, I think for that. Uh, you know, did they have credit in the bank from the winning game? Maybe if they'd won it they would have. You know. Um but no, I think I think they really owe us a performance now. Going to Craven Park next week, and I know we can talk about that next week, but that's gonna be so difficult. they they've had a good start there. They've won they've won four out of of the eight, you know. They're they're doing okay. Okay, let's not you know, we before the season started we thought they'd be one of those that we would We'd be around and maybe you know we'd, we'd finish above them because we have got better players. That's going to be a tough test. Um, but it's a, it's time for those players now to look at themselves and say, you know, that wasn't good enough. And I, I, that professional pride alone should make them put a performance in uh, in in a week and a half time or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we'll be. Looking forward to it, parking and seeing what, what happens against all Kingston Rovers. Uh, so that's our, our chat against uh, about the Warrington fixture. Now what we're going to do, we're going to listen to Paul White's summit report uh, and see what's going on in the world of uh, rugby league.
4: Well here is this week's Devil in the Detail Amateur Report. before we have some special news regarding Salford City Roosters under 15s we we'll leave them till last because we saved the best to last because they've got a great some great news this week and we'll uh, yeah we'll speak about that later on. We'll start with the conference leagues. There was quite a lot of results and fixtures over the uh, over the weekend as I said the other week it's a new format now with uh, with localised leagues but in League C it was Waterhead Warriors 32 Oldham St and 14 Wollstone Rovers had a surprise victory over Rochdale Mayfield they beat Mayfield 34 points to 14 and uh, Thato Heath Crusaders beat uh, sorry, Crusaders beat Saddleworth Rangers by 56 points to 18. So a bit of a disappointing result there for the Rangers. The fixtures for this week, Saturday the 5th of June in League C. It's Clockface Miners against Rochdale Mayfield. Oldham St. Hans against Wollstone Rovers. And there's an Oldham Derby between Waterhead Warriors and Saddleworth Rangers. We're well, moving on to the Northwest Men's League. The fixtures for Saturday, the fifth of June, there was no results of the weekend that I can see involving our local sides. So the fixtures for Saturday, the fifth of June, in Division One is Berry Broncos against Hares Finch Charlie Panthers are at home to Oldham Saint Anne's. It, sorry, Oldham said hands A, that is. In Division 2, it's Caddy Zed Rhinos against Tatton Heath Crusaders, B. Folly Lane play Hindpool Tigers. In Division 3, Salford City Roosters are at home to Crossfields, A. Division 4, it's Higginshaw against Galborn and it against Burton Woodbridge. Division 5, Wigan Springview, A, play Higginshaw, A. And in Division 5, South and East, it's Bolton Mets against Halton Sims Cross and Waterhead Warriors, A, against the Salford City Roosters, A. Well, moving on to the North West Youth... Under 16s and 18s. Saturday, sorry, Sunday the 6th of June. Sunday the 6th of June, the under 16s, Saddleworth play Halton, with Hornets. Salford City Roosters play Lee Minor Rangers. That's in the Premier Division of the Under 16s. Division 1, Waterhead play Leyland Warriors. Division 2, West Harton Lions play Charlie Panthers. Wigan St. Cuthberts play Rochdale Mayfield. Division 3, Langmuir the Reds against Portico Vine and the Roost Pioneers against Folly Lane. In the under 18s, Premier Division, Oldham St. Annes face Newton Storm. Waterhead Warriors play Ulverston. Division 1, Bankkey Bulls play Folly Lane Wigan St. Jude's are against Rochdale Mayfield Division 2 Saddleworth Rangers play Langworthy Reds and in Division 3 of the Under-18s Caddys Z Rhinos at home to Leyland Warriors Right, she'll also give you a round-up from the teams outside Super League for the weekend the Betfred Championship Round 8 just gone it was Batley Bulldogs 26, Swinton and Lions 12, close game, that Swinton led 10-6 at half time, Batley Bulldogs winning the second half, so it was Simbin in about 15 minutes from time, X red Jody Broughton scoring late on there for Batley Bulldogs, so commiserations to Swinton there still searching for their first win Bradford Bulls 37, York City Knights 18, Halifax 8 Featherstone Rovers 16, London Broncos 30, Dewsbury Rams 10 Oldham 18, Witness Vikings 40 Sheffield Eagles 25 Whitehaven 25 In the Betfred League 1 Barrow 44, North Wales Crusaders 8 Coventry Bears 38, Rochdale Hornets 30, Keithley Cougars 40, Huntslet 0, West Wales Raiders 10, London Scholars 52, and Workington 24, Doncaster 26. Fixtures for this week. Don't forget Bet Fred Challenge Cup Saturday, the 5th of June. Two games live on television. It's Hull FC against St. Helens at half past two, followed by Casford Tigers against Warrington at 5 o'clock. Both games are at this Lee Sports Village. Also on Saturday, West Wales Raiders play Barrow Raiders. That's on the Our League app at 3 o'clock. Sunday, the 6th of June, Wakefield play Lee Centurion. Uh, these games are all on our league. These next four that I'm going to read out to you. Wakefield against Lee Centurions is a Super League fixture. Three o'clock on our league at Featherstone Rovers play Witness Vikings in the 1895 Cup semi-final. That's at four o'clock. That's on the hour league at. Before that, York City Knights face Swinton Lions at two o'clock in the other semi-final. Don't forget those sides get to go to Wembley. So massive game for Swinton. This week. That's two o'clock Swinton's game on our league. Uh, Betfred Championship, this is also on the hour league gap Bradford Bulls play Newcastle Thunder at 3 and Halifax Panthers play Sheffield Eagles at 12.45 on the hour league gap Betfred League 1, Doncaster against London Scholars at 3 o'clock Hunslet against Rochdale Hornets at 3 o'clock on the hour league gap There's a game at half past 2, that's North Wales Crusaders against Coventry Bears and Workington play Keithley Coug- Cougars at 2 o'clock Plenty of games there to get through on the television and on, on your uh, on your internet as well for next weekend So uh, yeah, you'll keep yourself entertained well, it was good news for Salford City Roosters under 15s as I mentioned before they had a fantastic win at the weekend and glorious sunshine at Waterhead Warriors not often you can say glorious sunshine about the town of Oldham but it was glorious there real both sides doing really well to play in the heat as well the Roosters went ahead early doors and never looked back they won the game by 42 points to 12 and then top performance from every player today with excellent debuts for Jack Wigglesworth and uh, and Marcus Farnell the tries came two from Rowan Campbell two from Juan Ramirez uh, two from Will Thompson, Reese Schofield, and Dan Connolly as well. Luke Elliott kicked six goals, so a terrific performance for the Salford City Roosters under 15s. Their team lineup at the weekend was Will Thompson, Luke Gorton, Juan Ramirez, Marcus Farnell, Alex Palmer Smith, Reese Schofield, Rowan Campbell, Yemi Ajeli, Luke Elliott, Omar Stunnell, James Richardson, Bailey Roos Sampson, Daniel Connolly. Tawonga, Sherwa and Jack Wigglesworth. I really hope I've got some of those names right there. I've done my best for you. But uh, yeah, tremendous performance from uh, the Salford City Roosters under-15s. And we'll be keeping tabs on them throughout the season as well. Well done guys, and good luck in your match this weekend. And before I leave you this week, just a message from Salford City Roosters as well, while I'm on the subject of the, of the club. Um, they're looking for new players, new members. They've got the Cubs, which is the three to six year olds. The under 11s, under 12s, under 14s, under 16s, anybody's interested, get in touch with them through their Facebook and Twitter, uh, that's Salford City Roosters, yeah, all age groups there are covered, so get in touch, they need some players, get support in the a local Salford club, so good luck to all our local sides, I shall see you soon, enjoy Rugby League this weekend, and thanks for listening. So that was
0: Paul I'm Amateur Report, Parking, the, now the next thing up on the podcast is the big interview, Paul Trainer. So Fred Devils, director of the holding company, he tells us all about uh, what's happening with the schools, with amateur clubs and the community and how the club are, are trying to sort of build itself into the community and make it a better thing all around. We have a special guest on this week's show. I'm joined by Paul Trainer, the director of the club's holding, holding company. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul. Hi, Rob. You OK? Thank yeah. you for having me on. Yeah looking forward to talking all things um, what you do in the, in the community and in school it's going to be exciting yeah really looking forward to it yeah it's going to be fantastic obviously first time on the podcast uh, paul tell a, tell us a little bit about yourself um first
3: thing probably is is i was one of the first uh, first years academy players in the in the early 90s at the club so i i played in 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 the academy for the club from 91 to 94 um, in the days of when Kevin Tamaty was coach and, and John Blackburn was the academy manager um, and then ended up playing at uh, Rochdale Hornets and, and spent a, a period of time at Swinton as well. Um, I wasn't... I kind of realised I wasn't going to be good enough um, so decided then to focus being a, a, a teacher, ended up being a PE teacher and work my way through then to, to being a vice-principal at a school in Manchester. Um, I'd been a fan of the club since 1986, watched them home and away um, and... When the opportunity came to to join the board of the club's holding company in 2018, it was you know fantastic to go from fan, 30 year plus fan, uh, short period of time playing at the club, and then to become one of the directors is is has is, is been incredible and you know something I'm really proud and privileged to be part of, um, and you know from from my point of view, you know we've we've made huge progress in that time, both on and off the field. Um, and like I say, it's for me as a, as a fan, it's it's a huge privilege to to serve the club as a director, um, and something which I enjoy massively, and 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 can see that the progress we're making almost on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my journey.
0: Yeah, so you say being a long time fan, and now obviously a director of the whole uh, the club's holding company. Does, does it do you have to kind of work it differently to take that sort of fan sort of mentality out?
3: Um, yeah, it's yeah that that's really important, and it's hard to um, you know because there are times where you want to want to make a decision based on being a fan, and, and that's you know something that we we've, we've got to remove from our thinking. And I think that there's a number of us on the on the club's uh, holding company board who are in that situation, who are really you know long-term fans of the club and want the club to be successful and want it to do really well. Um, so it's important that we kind of detach that from, from our decisions. That, that ignites our fire. It gives us our passion to make these decisions. But actually, we've got to make good, strong business decisions for the club uh, rather than kind of just, you know, what you'd want to see necessarily as a fan. But I also think it's, it's really valuable because we have got an insight as a fan um, and, and a mem- member of the community. So, you know, that gives us a, an insight that sometimes probably... Clubs' leadership groups don't have, um, because they're not fans that they're in there as part of a business or because they put the money in. Um, so I think it's you know it's it's a double-edged sword. In in some ways, it's really good because it's it it gives us the drive to do what we're doing. Um, but you know, it's sometimes you just need to rein it in a little bit and remember the decisions are business decisions um, and and rugby decisions rather than just being a fan.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty useful as well. Obviously, you say you went through the uh, the A team sort of uh, process and. You know the, the job you do now, Paul, it's kind of like helping the, the young players in into into the club and how and how they sort of develop the career, really.
3: Yeah, that that's initially that's how I got involved with the board. Um I, where I was working, I was working at a school in Withenshaw, um, and there was huge amounts of potential um in terms of rugby players in that area, although it's not a necessarily a rugby league area. Um and I met Andy Rosler. Just to discuss how we could we could work together, really, and those discussions went on for about six weeks. Um, and at the end of that six weeks, then Andy, you know, invited me to become part of the board, which was which was fantastic. But that really is is my passion. It's you know, I I, I was really lucky to get a place in the academy team in the nineties. I, I I my first game of rugby league ever was for Salford. Um, I wrote a letter to Steve O'Neill back in. You could tell how long ago it was. I had to write a letter. I wrote a letter to Steve O'Neill, Kevin Tamatis assistant, and the A-team coach at Salford at the time, and was invited for pre-season training. Um, so it kind of drives me to 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 give opportunities to to young people coming through now that I had, um, albeit potentially coming into a you know a, a really good environment, full-time environment, and the opportunity to to develop to the maximum of the potential. Um, which is what I didn't have because obviously at the time that the game was part time, um, which for somebody new to the game and trying to learn, it wasn't didn't make it particularly easy. Um, So, yeah, that my background is, is, is really what kind of makes me tick in terms of trying to develop the work around schools, community clubs, pathways and so on, because it's about creating opportunities for young people.
0: Yeah, obviously you're talking about opportunities. You, like you said before, you were a deputy head at a high school. Do you think it helps um, that you've had sort of view on both sides of the coin uh, in 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 this process? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd
3: say so. I'd say so. Um, I'm having lots of conversations with schools at the minute as part of the building the future strategy, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. Um, and you know, I understand through experience the pressures that schools are under and the difficulties. Obviously, with the current situation that's going on in the world, it's, 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 it's tough for schools to kind of continue as normal. Um, so that insight is helpful. Um, and, and obviously, it's also informed the work we're doing around engaging with schools and what's important, which, again, probably gives us um, an advantage over other clubs and organisations trying to do the same thing.
0: What's the what's the the plan with the schools and the universities and the colleges? Is it, do you target certain colleges or, or do you go for a sort of blanket approach and see see what lands?
3: Um, well, in terms of the, the building the future strategy, myself, Ian Blease, Paul Rowley, and Neil Blackburn from the from the uh, foundation, we sat down in, in January. and wanted to put something in place that was going to build some foundations of, of the club. Um, yes, bringing through some playing talent. Um, adding to, adding value to schools and community clubs in the area, increasing the number of young people playing rugby league, um, but also making a difference and leaving a legacy in, in our in our community. So, when we were putting the building the future document together, and it was a, a, a considerable piece of work, what we were aiming to do was, you know, to, to try and make sure we were creating something sustainable and something that was going to serve the club in the long term, whilst also, you know, being at the at the heart of our community salford greater manchester and beyond um so in terms of targeting you know what we've done is put together a very good strategy what we've got is a great offer um, and a very well thought out offer and very well researched and and in terms of approaching schools we've got phases of this so you know our first phase is salford and manchester berry bolton and trafford and then we're going to take it a little bit further. We've also got Wales, um, where the building the future strategy will will work with within Wales as well. So yeah, it's it's not just a, a random um, attack on schools and, and community clubs, if you like. It's it's a well thought out strategy because what we want to do is 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 to make this work, um, and we're holding ourselves to really high account on this as a club. Um, some very challenging. Um, KPIs in terms of what we want to achieve each year over the next five years um, and ultimately um, and, I'm, and I'm sure Ian's been on here talking about this, Ian Blease, you know, his drive is to get five first team players in our squad within five years through our system um, and that work has started already so it's, yeah it's, 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 we've got a very clear plan behind it but we're also mindful of the fact that, you know, this is something that's going to take five years to do um, and we want it to be the very best quality. Um, when we when we talk about things as a group, myself, Rolls, Bleezy, and, and Neil, and we t- you know we're, we're talking about making things world class, making things people making a product that people want to be part of, um, and you know a point of difference when people are, are looking to to join our pathway as a young player, and the parents have perhaps got offers from other clubs. We want to be very clear in communicating how joining Salford Red Devils is is an advantage, and how we can make them better players, make them better people, and make them more successful. Whatever happens, um, and again, we'll probably touch upon this later on. But you know, this isn't just about developing rugby players. This is about developing people, um, and you know, we're very very determined to make sure that you know those things go hand in hand. Um, and and so, if a player doesn't make it. Coming through our pathway and and, and leaves the club at sixteen, at eighteen, or, or or beyond that, that they've got some skills and some knowledge and some experiences that can serve them well, whether they carry on playing the game in the professional, whether they go back into community clubs, um, and also in terms of you know the 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 future off the field as well.
0: Yeah, I I suppose it's it's like making the club a kind of a a hub in it for players and the community to all sort of come together. And the players who can play will play. And if you can't play, then obviously maybe you can find a career through the club uh, outside and obviously generate sort of money for the economy and things like that.
3: Yeah, and and as part of the building the future, and and particularly the work uh, Rolls is doing with community clubs, is also about uh, coach education. So, yes, we're, we're working to, to develop the level of, of playing talent in the area within our key areas on the Building the Future strategy. But what we're also looking to do is to support coach education. And we've got, you know, coach coach sessions. We've got sessions with Danny Orr and Richard Marshall where coaches are going to observe them work. We've had Zoom sessions um, where coaches can listen in and pick up things. We're sharing um, resources with schools in terms of coaching rugby league. So what we're looking to do is, is, is to raise the bar, but raise the bar sustainably and raise the bar for everybody. Um, it's not just a thing where, you know, we're looking to go into schools and pick talent. What we want to do is go into schools and leave a very, very clear legacy on, on, on that school in terms of rugby league, in terms of health, in terms of well wellbeing. Um, but also if there are talented young people in that school that they know where to go, they know which community clubs to go to. Um, they know, how they can get onto our pathway if, if that's the choice they make
0: yeah i think legacy is important really because i remember back in the in the in the old days with the in the 80s and the 90s and the, and the junior devils people still talk about it now and obviously we're, we're talking about community in the schools and the colleges but if you can put sort of um, things in place for the for the students at these colleges and these schools you know and they managed to kind of like get into rugby league or get a job off the back of it, they'll remember that, that Salford played a part in their life and and that'll hopefully give them a kind of a connection to the club and then we can build from there, can't we?
3: Yeah, and and what, again, we're looking to build by going into schools and, and developing really strong relationships is an affinity to the Salford Red Devils Um and, and whether this is, you know, potential players, but also what we want is, is interest and profile of the club being raised. So hopefully people will, come and watch games, then we'll become supporters. And and that's how you develop the, the next generation of supporters. Um, again, you know, previously, last season, before lockdown, when we played Toronto at home, we had a schools event um, and schools were invited to bring their, their children to the event, but it had to be school-organised trips. Mm. And we had nearly a 1,000 young people in the stadium um, for that Toronto game. All 40-odd schools came, you know, and that shows the level of, level of potential of what we're trying to do now what we want to do is make that difference longer term and it not just be one-off visits but actually you know like you say leaving a legacy in these schools
0: yeah because i think that's the important part in it because obviously schools will get the ticket and it's it's how you manage to motivate the teachers and the school to take that next step and, and engage again i think that's the that's the important question how how do you how do you do that um,
3: the first thing is is the quality of the product. So whether we're visiting a school, um, you know, whether it's the certificate that all of our school partners are going to have up in their reception area, whether it's the resources that we're using, the, the players when they go to visit these schools, all of those things have got to be top, absolute top class and memorable. Um, and you know, it's, it's then that you just start to build that affinity for young people with the club and curiosity and you know, wanting to be attached to the club in some way, shape or form, get them to a game and enjoy it, but then follow it up. Um, and, you know, that, that's not something that's going to happen overnight. But what it is, is, is something that we, we've we started to build on very quickly and got a lot of interest, you know, within three weeks in terms of the school stuff. The community club work that that uh, Rolls and, and the foundation have been doing, um, you know, started off really well um some, some, you know, huge strides made in that in a very short space of time with, with uh, the rising stars, events that have been going on. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's fantastic. Um, the one thing that we're benefiting from here is in terms of community clubs, we've got, you know, we're really fortunate that we've got fantastic community clubs run by great people. Um, and also the schools, you know, we've, we've got a bit, we've got a very, very big market to work to, a, a huge reach. Um, we've contacted 500 schools plus in the past four weeks, um, and and had responses from significant numbers of them. You know, we've got all, over 50 schools already signed up as partners. Um, you know, so it's it's building that momentum and making sure that what we're offering is good quality, um, and and you know, people that the Salford Red Devils name will be at the forefront of people's conversations.
0: So if I'm I'm listening to this and my son or daughter. Hasn't, hasn't been notified through their school of this opportunity. How, how do I go about sort of getting involved in that? Do I go to my school and, and, and say, have you been in touch? Or do I come to you and, and give my school's details? What's the, what's the best plan?
3: I, either of those things. Um, all the schools in Greater Manchester, sorry, in, in Salford, Manchester, Berry-Bolt and Trafford have been, have been contacted by me. We're now getting to the process of kind of the next level of contact. So to make sure that all schools are aware of the offer, um, you know, just making sure that the, the key decision makers have got the information, um, getting out to meet schools. I've been, I've spoken to six schools today, staff at six schools today um, who are absolutely raring to go. Um, and it will be a bit different. It will be a bit different in, in terms of, you know, with, with COVID around at the minute in terms of what we can do. But as things start to improve and start to get back to normal, you know, we, we've got a really, really strong offer. Um, and you know it's this the, the building the future strategy we're looking from first try to first team so getting kids in primary schools to play rugby to enjoy it to enjoy the experience and then start to work the way up a very clear pyramid um, with the aim of getting young people playing from our area who've come through our system in our first team um, and that, that, it, that would be fantastic
0: Yeah it's kind of like a web in it of, of different schools and all being connected and like you said, with the player pathways and the rising stars, you've got that kind of sort of academy kind of feel to it, but without the actual academy being there at the moment. Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. Obviously we've got the development academy um, with, with Danny Barton and, and Neil Blackburn and, you know, and that's been really successful. They've had a brilliant start to the season winning the first three games. Um, and, you know, that, that's a very um, well-established setup up there um, and, and very highly rated and, and, and you know it has made huge progress over the number of years um this you know in terms of us as a club the academy license is the the cat one as it was and the the now elite academy licenses the six-year license ends this year so there's been an application process over the past couple of months um for the next six-year licenses and we've put an application in um you know, we've, we've kept it pretty low-key as a club, but we've put an application in, and it, it's a really strong application, we believe, 190 pages, um, you know, and, and credit will go there to to to, to, Blaise, to, to Rolls, to Neil, um, as well as myself, who've worked on that and put together a really strong bid. Um, and the one thing that strikes through it is the potential for us in the area we're working in. You know, we can be absolutely huge um, as a club, um, and also contribute to the development of rugby league in this area. Um, I, I don't think rugby league has quite cracked the, the areas we're targeting. Um, and, you know, we, we believe with what we're doing and, and where we could go if we were successful in our licence bid, you know, we could we could make a huge contribution to the development of rugby league in, in, in Salford, in, in, in the whole Greater Manchester area, as well as Wales. Um, and we're waiting on the response for that. Um, that should be due in the next couple of weeks. Um, and uh, but the, the the one thing about it, Rob, um, and this is really important to us, whether we're successful in that bid or not, um, the key elements of what we're trying to do are are going to going to happen anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's really important to us. You know, we don't want to just kind of set, throw everything at a bid, and then if it doesn't, if it, if we're not successful, you know, w- then we, we kind of don't move with it. Everything that we're putting into that bid, all the key elements will continue, whether we're successful or not. Um, and the building the future thing, uh, the community clubs, the schools, the player pathway work that will continue um, because that's what drives us. We want to we want to create um, a, a very very clear player pathway for our, our young people coming through. Um, and we've got, you know, I think I think we've proven that in the past few months with 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 Paul Roll his appointment. Um, as head of, head of talent and pathways, you know, you've got there a very experienced top-level player and an experienced coach who's heading up our, our youth setup. You know, that gives the indication of how important it is. Um, and, and Paul has got huge plans um, and talked about us, you know, providing a world-class environment for young people coming through, whether it's, you know, kids coming through at 11, 12 years old, working their way right through to the top end of an academy. Um, and the other side of this is, is our development academy, um, the, the old Cat 3 academy. You know, that's, that's then the chance for any late developers coming through, because not everybody turns into a great rugby player at 13 or 14 years old, some are later, um, and you know what we want to do is to give Salford kids um, the, the opportunity. If they've not made it by the time they're 13 or 14, but they still want to work hard and still want to learn and still want to develop, they've got the opportunity to go into our development academy and still show themselves, still um, prove themselves to the club. Um, and, and as has been seen with Lewis Roberts and Conor Aspie over the past you know, 12, 18 months, the, the the opportunities are there if kids want to work hard and take them.
0: Yeah, and also, like we've, we've said, on the other side of the coin you're engaging with our, our local amateur sides you know allowing players to go and coach that you know the next generation and you know the engagement is, is the important thing a lot of you know in distant history the, the engagement hasn't really been there but now it, it's it's there for all to see
3: yeah yeah and again credit to to, to to Rolls who's put together you know a very strong player ambassador um um programme so each each amateur club has or each community club has those same ambassadors going to all of their events. So rather than it kind of being a token appearance from a player, we want our first team squad to be embedded in the culture of the community clubs. So the same players are going to the clubs throughout the year to all the different events, coaching, getting to know the kids as well. Because our players are fantastic role models. And you can see as a young player coming through, if you've got if you're being coached or given a, a little tip by one of the first team stars for us you know that's that's huge, um, and and will inspire these kids even further. So it's yeah, it's what we've got is is you know a very very clear plan, um, and we're seeing huge amounts of progress at the minute, both community clubs and schools.
0: Yeah, and that's the the important thing. Obviously, the engagement is is everything really, and even the, even if we can sort of do a bit for the amateur teams, they'll look up to us. The players who play for them will want to sort of play for Salford one day and and you know if we can do that and engage with them more and, and sort of help them in certain different ways it, it can only benefit the, the sport in the local area, you see?
3: Yeah, and and that's it. And like I say, you know, this isn't about just picking up the best talent. Whilst you know that's clearly a, a driver for us. What we want to do is is to make sure that anybody coming into our pathway is well looked after and well developed. So if if they're not they don't end up coming through the system into the first team they're able to go back into the community clubs, better players, better people, and then can con- contribute again there. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, the, we're, we're developing coaches. We've got coach education programs again to try and raise the bar for everybody. So it's, it's, it's really exciting. Um, and I hope people listening can see, you know, the, 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 the groundwork that's going on to make sure we've got a huge future plan for the club.
0: Yeah, you're talking about expanding our range. Um, you've linked up with Wales Rugby League. Can you tell us more about that?
3: Yeah, uh, it started um, last year. Um, obviously, Gareth Keir, uh, the CEO of, of Wales Rugby League, is, is Elliot's dad, um, and Paul King put us in touch for a conversation. Just we were starting to do some thinking about um, developing our pathways just be, just as lockdown was starting, What we were starting to look at things. And it was just a conversation arranged with Gareth to to share some ideas, really. And we hit it off really well. Um, And we were talking about the same things, the same things that were important to us. Um, Gareth and the team in, in Wales Rugby League are doing a fantastic job there in developing the game at community club level up to international level, across all remits of the game as well. So the conversation carried on. Um, and at the time, Wales were in conversation with two or three other Super League clubs about becoming um, kind of their, their partners. Um, but as our conversations went on, we realised it was it was a very strong fit. Um, so we've we've developed there something which, um, yes, we've got really strong heritage as a club with Welsh players. You know, thinking back to when I was when I was playing with. With Adrian Hadley, with David Young, with Richard Webster, and Rob Ackerman, and people like that. But you know, in in today's squad, we've got Elliot, we've got Rhys. Um, what we've also got is an opportunity there to, to to pay to put something back into the game in Wales as well. Um, and like I say, Paul Rowley's leading um, some coach development, some training sessions. There's already been some stuff going on on Zoom to speak to the young young players there. Um, so, again, it's it's a really exciting string to our bow, um, which widens our player player pathway talent pool, um, but also enables us to, to, to give something back. Um, and what we're, we're looking to do in terms of the the, the Wales pathways, we're looking to offer the, the talented Welsh players the opportunity to come and continue the studies up in, in the Greater Manchester area um, and also have the potential to be in and around the club and... Um, and so we can have a good look at them as well, um, because there's clearly some talent there. Clearly, some talent there, and you know it's 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 our opportunity to to have a look at that first.
0: Yeah, in Wales, they're barn to play rugby in Wales, aren't they? If we can if we can get a few you know good players out of the, out of the the, the Welsh uh, area, it's only going to benefit us. like you said, we've got some sort of fantastic players who have played for Wales and currently play for Wales as well. So we have that identity which they can relate to.
3: Yeah, and, and, and again, it's, it's, it's a good, strong fit in terms of the, the environment they're coming through as well. It's, it's a very well-coordinated programme in Wales. They've got a, a development academy, which is based at a, a, a very significant college down in Cardiff, um, where kids are studying a rugby league course and being trained as coaches, being developed as players. And they are part of the Wales International Youth Pathway. Um, So, you know, it's not just kind of a random, you know, going to watch games and seeing what happens. You know, they're coming through a very strong system um, and being developed very well. And, you know, hopefully it will be a really, really um, beneficial partnership for both us and Wales.
0: Yeah, just see, it seems like I say, you're talking to us about it now. Everything's so sort of micromanaged and no... Kind of stir, stone is unturned in in this process, which is only a good thing, really, because obviously you're building a, a future, aren't you, for the club and, and players as well. So it's it's great that you've got that micro sort of managed uh, version of it.
3: Yeah, it's 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 about attention to detail. And the one thing, you know, it's it's no secret. The one thing for us as a club, you know, being a club without a benefactor, is the things that we invest our time and energy and and and, and finances in have got to be the right things. Um, and, and, you know, we, in terms of the strategy, it's got to be really well thought out. And what we've got going through all of these things through the Building the Future, through, through our Academy bid, um, is what we're referring to as the red thread. You know, certain things which are going through every aspect of our club and our organisation. Um, and in particular, with, with the Building the Future, we're talking about every action being aligned against one of four words engagement, inspiration, performance, and relationships. So you know it's it's really clearly mapped out. Um, so you know we can we can take advantage, but it, but also you know it's very efficient um, because it has to be, which keeps us on our toes as well.
0: And it all feeds back into the community club and what what we want to be at Salford Red Devils.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, in terms of the objectives of, of what we're trying to do, you know, we want to increase participation in schools and community clubs. You know, we've got we've got a number, a percentage increase on that year-on-year year for the next five years. We want that talent pathway. We want a new generation of supporters. Um, but also, you know, the kind of lasting bit of it is is leaving a legacy. So when we go into a school, we want to make that school better. When we go into a community club, we want to make that community club better. Um, when we work with a player on our pathway, we want to make them better. Um, and you know, if we if we is the leadership of that kind of strategy. If we're focused on that, then, you know, we, we, we've we got strong plans, but those plans will come into fruition because of the attention to detail.
0: Yeah, we've got the World Cup uh, this year as well in this country, Paul. What, what plans have we got to sort of jump on that and generate interest for us and the sport? Um.
3: We'll be linking in with the, the, the schools and community clubs for, you know, the, the the Rugby League World Cup. I think it's been the Rugby League World Cup organisation has been absolutely fantastic. John Dutton and, and, and Chris Brindley and the team delivering that have, have, have put together in, in a hugely complex time um, in the world. They've put together, you know, some fantastic work already. So we're, we're going to be sharing those resources with our partner schools and community clubs um, myself and Andy Rosler are on the on the the uh, steering group for Bolton's World Cup bid, so in France and and there's two games at the University of Bolton Stadium. So we're we're involved in that aspect as well, which will benefit the club um, in terms of some of the the things we'll have access to. Um, it's going to be, you know, hopefully if everything goes to plan, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic tournament. Um, and as a club for us, you know, with the final being at Old Trafford, you know, it, it's, it's a real opportunity for us to piggyback on the profile of the game being increased, which with the plans, um, with the, you know, the, the, the Women's World Cup, the Men's World Cup and the Wheelchair World Cup, all things that we're looking to develop in our club over the next 12, 18 months, um, you know, it's, it's something which it's such ideal timing for all of our plans that we're trying to deliver.
0: Yeah, talking about the Women's World Cup, I know the Women's Super League is going great guns at the moment. Is, is there kind of plans for us to maybe try to get involved in that, maybe?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we, it was something we were looking at last year, but obviously everything got put on hold. Um, and again, it's about creating something sustainable. So if you've seen the the, the uh, Rising Stars programme and, and the Development Academy work, you know, Neil and, and Danny there and the team have, have put together a girls programme as well. Um, so what we're looking to do really, and again, it all ties in with everything we're doing in schools and community clubs, is is creating opportunities. And then hopefully at the end of that opportunity, we've got then an op- the, the environment and the, and the number of players to start to create a strong uh, women's team. That certainly is the plan, as well as LDRL, PDRL. Um, wheelchair you know we've got huge plans um, because you know as a club at the heart of its community we need to make sure we're giving opportunities to everybody in our community Um, and you know again that is on the horizon and 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 it's really something that is really exciting.
0: So obviously we get the crystal ball out now Paul we're we're looking sort of five let let's say ten years down the line what what would you where do you think would be? Um as a result in as a result of what we're doing with yeah, the school. But you're putting in put the control. foundations now, aren't you? And and we, we can't kind of expect sort of massive results straight away. But obviously these foundations you're putting in now will will grow and grow and then where, where do you think we'll be be in ten years' time? I would absolutely love
3: to see young kids coming through our, you know, the, the first generation of kids come, who've come through our system from being 12, 13 years old, being established first team players. Um I'd love to see you know us being able to have an education provision for our young players. So we you know we're working with them and and, and working in terms of you know that they're doing their education with us at the club, um, because that's again something we're looking to develop. Um, I'd also love to see the fact that rugby league is is developed in these areas um, that we're, we're focused, you know, beyond these first five areas that we're working on. Now we've got the next phase. Um, which will then take us possibly into, into East Lancashire. And, you know, it's, it's an absolutely huge catchment area. And I'd argue outside of London and Newcastle, um, our catchment area is probably as big as anybody else's. So it's, you know, it's, 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 it's so, so exciting. Um, and, you know, in terms of answering your question, yeah, the, the, the proof in the pudding is going to be kids coming through our system. And I know full well the work that Rolls is doing with the Pathways and, and the people who, who are going to be engaged with that programme. Um, in terms of in terms of coaches and so on, um, you know, we want to create an environment where success is inevitable, um, and and you know ultimately that will be the measure of what we've done. If we've done it right, in ten years' time, we'll be looking back and seeing our team full of kids who've come through our system, which will be you know hugely hugely proud moment.
0: It will. Be, it will be. Paul, and obviously, you know, getting excited, really, about all, all this, you're telling me, I'm thinking kind of mini Barcelona, obviously not 100,000, well, we'd like 100,000 in the crowd, but, you know, different women's teams, you know, disability teams, you know, the, the rugby team now, you know, and, and all coming together under this Soulfred Devils umbrella.
3: Yeah, and, and, you know, I go back to when we launched the Building the Future strategy, And there was the video, and I'm sure you saw it, Rob, the video that Adrian Morley did. Mm. And, you know, kind of just a a very brief summary of his journey from his school, his community club, and then ended with, you know, the the phrase dreams do come true. And and what we want to have is is kids coming through and not achieving those dreams by going to another club, going to Australia, but achieving those dreams playing for us. Um, However, you know, also every kid comes through our system, they get better as a person. Um, so yeah really hugely exciting um, and we've got a fantastic group of people who are, who are involved in driving this forwards and again you know with the clear plans with the hard work that's going on um, you know we want it to be inevitable that these things are successful
0: Paul it's been, it's been great talking to you on this uh, on this week's podcast
3: Rob thank you very much it's been great to be on love to be on again at some point
0: so that was a uh, Paul Trainer Parker talking to me about what the club are doing in the community. A fantastic interview, lots of great points made. Yeah, very impressive. It was good to listen to that actually, Robert. This
1: this time, you know, following last week and everything looks like he's he's on a downer. He, this, the work that's going in, you know, and the ambition that that, that that Paul's showing, and well, both Pauls really, I suppose, in many ways, but um, in 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 developing the the club and the, the connections outside the club with you know. A, a, a younger level, but uh, yeah, big, big plans, really big plans, and really impressive. And it's it's about time somebody did that for us because we we've missed out for for years on that, and we haven't. I don't think we focused enough. Certainly during the, I suppose what you would probably say the better times financially uh, when when we've had other other owners or a other owner uh, who could have potentially put the, the money into it to to help that. We might be in a bad position now. Who knows. Um, but yeah, no, great, great interview. Really good to hear. I, I didn't know that much about Paul, to be honest. And and now I think I must know this guy. I must have seen him every day in my life for the last 30 years, I think. <laughs> um, I don't know how, how the name never triggered anything, but uh, no, really fascinating to listen to, to him and, and, and the plans.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. He talks about how he's sort of engaging with the, the schools in the, in the local community. Over 500 schools have, have kind of been contacted about it um, and 50 of them are, are now uh, kind of partners in in, in in the sort of activities that, that he wants to, to get going. He talks about how he's planning to sort of get sort of five um, through the process, five kids through the process in, in five years into the first team and, and talking about sort of first <clears throat> try to first team process. And it was kind of a cult. Culture. I, I think it, the culture that what it, what they're trying to sort of build is very impressive i i said to him it's a bit like but sort of barcelona in the end where he'll have a uh a woman's team and a disability team and, wow. a, and a man's team and a you know the kids coming through team and that that's what it is i think obviously people a lot of people talk about sort of community club and uh, and he has a big vision for that
1: yeah very much so i think um
0: like you say this the the Bold plans
1: of you know getting five players maybe through to to first team. Um, I know we we discussed off air that the the RFL's recent steps aren't going to help that happen, they're not going to make it you know, they're going to take that away a little bit. And it's it's that step between getting to the to being 16 and that level where you're ready to go on to, to the next level, which would be academy or. Or reserves and then them first team because very few are anywhere near when they're 16 being good enough to play in the Super League. So we've got to bridge that gap, and that's something the RFL have got to look at as well. Again, because their decision last week was for me nothing short of disgusting. But that's that's a completely different story. That we could go on about for, for weeks. Um, but no, that that that, that whole the, the whole steps of how they they've already got the plan now. They know what they want. They can identify the talent. And then nurture it, and then hopefully we can work out how we make that jump from from being, you know, the school kid we've promised to being the next the next star in the first team. The, the, we need to sort that link out a little bit, but it's there now. The process starts now. We've never done that. We've never gone right to the roots and and tried to bring it through that way. And like you say, I mean, not not only as a as a first team player, you know, we we definitely want a women's team, the disability team, every you know sporting club that's that's the idea i think and um and the community will will blossom from that like you said i mean that that was the big thing two two years ago whatever that was going to be the the next step that we are going to bring the community in and and there's so much more to it um so really really bold plans and great to see that they've now you know they've earmarked it i mean 500 schools been contacted i mean that's
2: that's incredible
1: I, i don't even know where they all are I can only think of about five myself, but maths <laughs> isn't at my strong point. Um, probably a problem with school. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember when I was at school and it, they tried a little bit. They sent the odd player in, Gibbo came in and, you know, you may have had a, a Tech Sevens or whatever, and it, everyone's excited for a bit. But then it died after a couple of weeks. No one ever went back. Um, I know the link they've got with the, the the local amateur clubs now, the, you know, the players going out to see them. So... It's great to see there's a plan. We can now see where where the club is heading and what it wants to do, um, with support and obviously it's going to take a lot of financial, uh, you know, clout as well, really, to, to make these 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 promising players get to where they need to do it. But uh, yeah, just just really exciting to to hear that and to, to hear there is a there is a pathway now.
0: Yeah, it, it was very, it was was very impressive. He talked about how he's the plan to sort of embed, uh, sort of the players into sort of the amateur scene, and you know, like you said, players keep going back, and that's that's what it's all about. It's engaging with with the with with the with the kids, and even if the kids don't make it, the club can sort of offer them support and and sort of give them training and things, so they have a, a life outside rugby, and and that's an important thing, obviously, because not all kids will. Make Super League, but giving them sort of skills and and, and opportunities off the back of it is all going to sort of help them sort of have that relationship with the club because they'll know that the that Salford sort of rugby club helped them get to where they got in the end.
1: I couldn't agree more. I've said it for years, uh, and it's been a problem in this country that sport has, has always been seen. or certainly when I was growing up, as it's just sport. It's just people kicking a ball about or throwing one or whatever. The the industry of sport now, you look what goes into making a club, a professional club from ground, you know, from the guys doing the the, the ground, the, you know, the kit man, the admin staff, the physiotherapy, doctors, you know, all the way through the club, uh, the PR, everything. It's all there and you get people involved and that, those avenues can open up. But like you say, not all, not well, very few are going to make it. Let's, let's be, you know, brutally honest about that. Very few will make that step. But the work that the Foundation do at the club as well, outside of that, the, the education, and the learning side of things, if it all goes hand in hand, it's brilliant. And get people involved in, in sport is such a great thing. It's, it's something that the, the Australians have always done really well. And it's always been impressive. It's, it's not just about you becoming that elite player. You know, it's about what, what else you can do and yeah. how, how sport can aid your life as well and, and just instilling that that, that that keep fit kind of attitude do you know what I mean, don't sit at home on your playstation you know, get out there and do something and whatever it is, be involved and then these people who don't make it in the sport might go back to an amateur club and help them and coach them or you know, even go into fundraising, whatever it is the, the options are, are endless in sport now it's a business like any other uh, and rugby league's no different and this is this is what this starts but like you said you get them in now get them interested they'll become future fans which mm. is which is key obviously for, for, for us the money we put in now will you know we can get back later that's that's you know that's just the cycle of it um, but yeah no really I'm, I'm really impressed and it's it's nice to earn it it's a shame that it's taken this medium of you know you going and, and speaking to them to get this message out there now that because there'll be people who will be in the ground at the next game who will have no idea that this is happening, mm. and and they'll grumble and say, "Salford, don't do anything." They don't, you know. Well, that's not clearly not true, is it? And and the plans are there now.
0: Yeah, obviously, I interviewed him sort of before the elite academy decision, uh, and even though we haven't got it, he made clear that whatever the decision, um, they were going to do this, whatever. So we, which is which is good for me, and impressive really. Also, another thing that sort of made me me think, he he talked about making better people as well as better players, which is which is another thing, uh, which which kind of like. Sort of adds to that community feel. It talks about sort of the development in Wales and, and how they're trying to link up with Welsh uh, rugby league. And, and we all know how good the the, the Welsh uh, you know rugby union players are. They're born to play rugby down there. So if, if we can if we can sort of tap into that market uh, and and help them develop, they'll hopefully come into our process and and, and become sort of better player, better rugby players as well.
1: Well, I mean, you only have to look at the history of. Have solved for rugby league, and we're, we're littered with rugby union players, and especially Welsh ones. Uh, I think every successful team we've ever had has been, you know, probably 50% of them have been Welsh. Um, it, it's, it's always been a rich sort of picking for us down there. And if we can develop them ourselves, rather than, you know, having to wait 20 years and have to pay them big bucks to to come and join, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're born for out they? they love rugby, they love. They look it's strange. I mean, I was in uh, Bridge End a couple of years back. When we played Celtic, and uh, talking to some old guys in in the pub, and I thought it was going to get a bit of a, a rough ride. You know, rugby league, rugby union, all this. And I, I I just happened to mention, you know, do you watch it? And they said, yeah, when it's on the telly. so yeah, we've got no love watching it. There's, there's no no problem here. It's not it's not a case that we won't watch it. It's just you know it's not what we it's not traditional for us to be you know to play it. He said. So there is that. There is already a, a sort of not a love for it, but they know about it down there. They, we're not, you know, we're not trying to invent the wheel. Here. And uh, yeah, we've had some some superb players, and I've seen something today on Twitter about the, the what's going on in Wales with with with, with the club, and it's um, it's pretty exciting. I think you know who knows we might have the next uh, David Watkins or you know Gus Risman or whatever. Colin Dixon, It'll do for me. That that's an easy way of building a team.
0: That's that's what it's all about, Park. It, it's it. It's actually, what what impressed me, he said, it was getting the red thread through everything they do, uh, and, he, and he's talked about engagement, inspiring people, performance, and relationships, and that and that's you know it's it's kind of uh, kind of shows how much they've kind of built uh, on on what we've got, um, and if they obviously can follow through on this in the next sort of five to ten years, um, you know we're, we're going to be a force. Yeah, I like that red
1: thread. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Cause you hear a lot on, on especially on football, really? But people going about that's the DNA of this club. Yeah, that's how this club. And you think yourself, and you go, uh, "What's you know? What is ours? We haven't, you know, we have really got one as as such. This is the start of that. You know, we the whole club will build as one. Yeah, you know, no matter what level you're at and you're playing at. You'll know that's that's the Salford way if you like.
0: Mm. For for me, Parker, I think you kinda of make, make more of that, really. You know, like around the stadium, maybe with, with uh boardings and stuff like that, maybe. You know what I mean? Just to you know, like to inspire people. Be, mm. you know, I don't know, I'm not the guy that's gonna be paying for it like, but I think it'd be a good idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's very much the key, isn't it? Uh the the, the financial side of that. Yeah, but get yeah. I think that's always been a problem. That since we we, we moved, it, that that kind of option wasn't there, was it? To to plaster the walls with our own message, if you like, it's not ours. We you know we share it, and how you go about that, I don't know. And at the moment, we, the, the way the stadium is, I think you know, that might be a bit too much. But yeah, no, I, I agree. And if we could, you know, if we do ever come to an agreement or whatever with it, then that's something that you know we could we could look at, and yeah, get. Sort of spreading our own message in many ways, but I like I like that, and I like you know everything that Paul said. There, he's he's probably what we've we've wanted and needed for 30 years, maybe mm. more. You know, and uh, hopefully it can ex- inspire people to get involved, and you know these kids then to to be hooked and stay with the club forever. And uh, you know whether they make it or not, they'll have friends who will make it. You know, and that, them connections are there. Then I I, I think it's brilliant.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's uh, been a really good show. Quite enjoyed it, Parky. Obviously, we, yeah. we talked about the one-in game. We're all a bit flat, but then we talked about what Paul Traynor, um, Paul Rowley, Danny Barton, Neil Blackburn, all the people in that in that bubble there uh, are working on, and it's kind of made me feel a bit happier now. Yeah, yeah, definitely
1: positive way to to kind of uh, end a, a rough week, if you like, I suppose. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it all develops and. Uh, you know, you think at times like this, so it's hard to to stay positive and motivated when you've watched your team concede sixty points in a in a dour performance, really. But then you, you see what's going on off the pitch. You think there's something, there's still something there for us. Um, if the it, first team could could turn it around, and we have a you know the rest of the year as we have probably the last couple of years, then we'll be you know we'll be okay. And uh, we'll have more more chats like this. But yeah, no, great to hear Paul Train and what he's going to say, and and hopefully you know these things come come to fruition. And if we're still doing this in twenty twenty years time, um, it'll probably be virtual reality by <laughs> then. But uh, then you know we might be looking back and going, "Do you remember that chat we had?" Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's good. It's good to have some positive coming out of the club.
0: Yeah, great way to, to finish the the podcast uh, this evening. Big thanks for tuning in uh, to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson. that's been Paul Parking, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Red Devils chat.